Hey there, listener. My name is Jenna Van Maurick, and I'm an author, and I like to tell people that I live a now-go lifestyle. But what exactly does that mean? Okay, let me break it down for you. Did you know that the word go appears in the Bible over 1,500 times? Yeah, that's kind of a lot. And a lot of those are specific instances where God is giving his people directions and calling them to action. And I believe that God is still moving. He is still at work and he is still calling out to us and saying, now go into the next place that I am preparing for you go into the next place that I am calling you to. So my mission is to inspire and empower you to also answer that calling and go wherever God is calling you next. So stick around, subscribe, and let's go together and see what God has in store. How are you guys all doing today? I hope you're doing well. Today I wanted to start sort of a new little mini series and I realize now saying the word new is probably not the right word since this is a new podcast so everything is going to be new for you at least for those of you guys who are listening to it as it comes out and as each episode becomes available. But I wanted to start this new little mini series because a lot of you guys enjoy when I talk about different things like scripture that inspires me or just lessons that I have about writing or my great sage wisdom filled insights into life that I totally have. Um, But um, a lot of you guys, of course, also enjoy it when I talk about books. So today I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break. We're going to deviate just slightly from the normal content and then we're going to talk about books. And what I'm going to call this new little mini series is Books That Inspire Me to Go. So this is books that inspire me to go or books that make me want to go because this is the Now Go podcast, so I can't deviate too much from the theme and the purpose of the podcast. But most of you know that I'm an author and I'm also, I started out as a book reviewer and a book blogger as well. And that's where kind of most of you guys found me, I think, was originally through my book blog and through me reviewing books that I liked and sharing with you guys about biblical fiction. If you've never heard about biblical fiction before, stick with me here before you turn it off because it sounds like an oxymoron. It's really not. It's just a set of terms that we use to describe a particular kind of historical fiction. Because obviously if you said, oh, I enjoy Christian historical fiction, which may be true, um, that refers to a lot of things. Do you mean World War II Christian fiction or uh, Revolutionary War historical Christian fiction, or do you mean like Regency era or Victorian era or old Prairie Western kind of era? So when someone says biblical fiction, they're not talking about like making the Bible into something fictional or um, a f- that the Bible is fiction, which is something that I have received a lot by people who've seen my hashtags, like hashtag biblical fiction, and then chosen to let me know that um, the idea that the Bible is fiction is in fact not very Christian of me to perpetuate, which is not what I'm saying at all. Biblical fiction is simply a term that we use to delineate Christian fiction, 
Christian historical fiction that specifically takes place during biblical times or the time periods in which the Bible was written, right? So another word for that might be ancient historical Christian fiction, but that's a little bit clunky. And for whatever reason, the powers that be long ago decided that this would be called biblical fiction. So here we are. Um, take it up with publishers, not me if you don't like the, the genre title, but um, I really enjoy biblical fiction. I write biblical fiction. It's essentially, to me, I view it as parables. And I have always enjoyed on my blog and website and YouTube channel and Instagram in the past promoting the best in new and or recent and or not so recent gems <laughs> that I discover in the biblical fiction genre. And what I want to do with this Books That Inspire Me To Go series is highlight every once in a while a book that inspires me to go somehow and and what that book inspires me to do or how that book inspires me and why I would recommend it to you. So today, I love, love, love that I get to start this this um, pot, mini podcasting series, if you will, I guess, this segment of the podcast off with spotlighting a book by a very dear friend of mine, and that is Barbara M. Britton and her most recent release, Defending David, Itai's Journey. I do really quickly just need to let you guys know that I did receive a copy of this book from the publisher for the purposes of reviewing, but all my opinions in this podcast and anywhere else you see me or hear me talking about this book are completely my own. So, so many of you guys may have heard of another author called Misu Andrews, and Misu Andrews is quite a great mastermind when it comes to biblical fiction. She's a phenomenal writer. She's a phenomenal person. I've had the pleasure of meeting to her and speaking to her and interviewing her. Um, in the past, and she's just lovely and just such a sweetheart and wonderful to talk to, and also a fellow chronic illness warrior, which she has written about her own journey on her website. You can go check that out. It's very inspirational and motivational to any of you guys also struggling with any form of chronic pain or chronic illness or just chronic issues in life that just won't go away. Um, as she is a mastermind in the biblical fiction genre as a writer, she also apparently is a mastermind in terms of people and relationships. So let me explain what I mean. In 2019, I had the opportunity to go to Christian Fiction Readers Retreat with my good friend Alicia from the blog For the Love of Christian Fiction. And Christian Fiction Readers Retreat is now StoryFest and is associated with ACFW. So if you're interested in something like that, definitely go and check that out. But back in the day, this was a, a much smaller event called Christian Fiction Readers Retreat. And I went there with Alicia, first of all, because Alicia asked me if I'd go with her. And at the time, I didn't really know her very well. And I was just like, I'm gonna go. I should probably go with someone who I kind of know. Um, and we got to know each other better and better over the course of the next few months months prior to the trip, but a big reason I wanted to go there was because I heard some of my favorite authors like Misu Andrews and Connie Lynn Cassette were also going to be there, and that was like this big deal for me. Alicia and I were sitting in the lobby around the time when everyone was kind of getting there and arriving and like having a little bit of like a, a meet and greet, but just kind of casual welcome session, I guess you could say. And we were sitting there and all of a sudden, Misu Andrews with her bright red hair walks into the door and Alicia will testify that like my face 
my demeanor, my whole essence just shifted as this woman that I'd looked up to for years at this point walked into the room and Alicia was like, let's go introduce ourselves and say hi. And I was like, I can't talk to the actual Misu Andrews. Like, I just came here so that I could breathe the same oxygen as her, not so I could converse with her. If I try to converse with her, I might not be able to breathe at all. Um, but, you know, uh, we we did end up getting to talk to Misu and Connie and so many other amazing authors. I had a really great time and some of my best memories are from that trip. But while I was talking to Misu, she was so encouraging. She was just such a sweetheart. And I think she very, very dealt very well with my little starstruck personality. Um, I hope it didn't come across too obviously at the time, but she told me that I needed to look up this other author who went by the name of Barbara M. Britton. And she told me that Barbara was going to have a book coming out and it was called Lioness. And I needed to look her up, connect with her somehow, read her previous books. Like she just, she kept, she told me over and over again, she had me write it down on my phone, checked it to make sure I had like the spelling right and that kind of thing. And she told me that I really needed to check out Barbara M. Britton. And of course, when Misu Andrews tells you to do something, I don't know about you guys, but I just go and do it. If Misu Andrews says to do it, I do it. Um, <laughs> and so I went and I looked up Barbara and Britain and I followed her and I was like waiting for, cause at that point, Lioness wasn't coming out for months and months at a time. And, um, I connected with her and then over the course of that time, um, I got to review Lioness. Uh, Barbara actually reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in reviewing it. And I obviously said yes, because I was already planning to anyways, because Misu told me to. Um, <laughs> but I got to review Lioness. And then the next book in the Daughters of Zalofahad series came out and I got to review that one. And I got to review the one after that. And then I went back to the beginning and I read Barbara's earlier works and I reviewed all of those. And over the course of those many reviews and those many emails exchanged back and forth, I can now confidently say that I consider Barbara to be a wonderful person inside and out, both off the page and on the page. Um, just absolutely a pleasure to talk to. We have, I've discovered we have quite a few things in common, like connections to San Francisco and Wisconsin and different places and things. Um, and it's been an absolute joy. And Misu totally knew what she was doing. And basically, I am so excited because it feels so right to have Barbara's book be the first one that I get to spotlight on this podcast. So what's the book about? Where is it set? So the book is called Defending David. So obviously, or maybe not so obviously, it's centered around King David. Specifically, the bulk of the story takes place during Absalom's rebellion in 2 Samuel chapters 15 and 16. But you do get to see other parts of David's reign, whether that's that's through um, like a prologue kind of thing or memories, flashbacks, that sort of thing, or just it's discussed in dialogue. So if you're interested in anything related to King David, First and Second Samuel, Psalms, this is 10 out of 10, a book that I would recommend. Barbara does something so wonderful in that she finds these very, very small, very, you know, not super obviously mentioned figures in the Bible. And then she writes compelling narratives surrounding what their experiences might have been like. So for this book, as you could probably tell by the title, it ties journal 
journey, this book specifically focuses on Itai the Gittite, which kind of almost rhymes there. And it really trips me up whenever I say it because I want to make it rhyme in my head. Um, and that story is specifically told um, 2 Samuel 15 and 16, where Ittai the Gittite actually and his men uh, fight for King David during Absalom's rebellion. If you go to 2 Samuel right now and flip your Bibles to chapter 15, verses 19, it will tell you the king said to Ittai the Gittite, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner in exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back and take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. And then in verse 21 now, but Ittai replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord, the king lives, wherever my Lord, the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. David said to Ittai, go ahead, march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on toward the wilderness. So there's quite a few characters here and different things in play. Um, characters or historical figures, I guess, is the more appropriate term. In the prologue of the book shows a very, very young Ittai the Gittite encountering David for the first time when David was in Ziklag which was a Philistine town, and that was a town where King David found refuge in while fleeing from King Saul when, uh, after David had been anointed and, you know, to be the new king to replace Saul. So, you know, at this point, though, in the story, when Ittai, the little boy version of Ittai, encounters King David, he encounters him and he sees him as this great warrior, this young king or younger king than we see him later in the story who is, you know, good in battle, but also good off of the battlefield, just a very good heart. And, you know, it's in this, in these moments in Ziklag where David and his belief in God rubs off on the young Ittai, the Gittite, you know, a Philistine probably, who otherwise would not have had much knowledge or necessarily belief in the God of the Hebrew Jewish people. And Ittai grows up then wanting to be a warrior, just like the King David he knew in Ziklag. But of course, they're separated because eventually David, you know, goes and becomes king and lives in Jerusalem and many, many life circumstances happen. And then you have the actual meat of the book, which picks up um, when Ittai and his men and people are all on their way to Jerusalem to request to stay in Jerusalem with King David because they are God-fearing people and they've been exiled from their Philistine lands. And the book kind of goes more in depth in that. Um, and along the way, we are also introduced to the fictional character, a fictional female character of Ramona, who gives a female perspective to the story. You've got really strong characters on both sides in this book, both the female and the male side perspective. So I really feel strongly that this book would appeal to, therefore, a variety of people, right? Right? I think it's really good, really well done. So of course, you know, in the beginning part of the story, you have Ittai trying to get to Jerusalem and Ramona, who is actually also trying to get to Jerusalem, but for different reasons. Everyone in her family has died and she's being sent to a distant kinsman who is a musician in the palace. So 
it's through her that they're actually in the story able to get closer to the palace. But while Ramona is supposed to be being taken to this distant kinsman by members of, you know, her tribe, the person who's supposed to be delivering her ends up, you know, turning on her and thinking, well, what if I just sold you for money? And, you know, she thinks fast. And that's what I love about Ramona. She thinks fast. She's quick on her feet. And she escapes and um, runs into Itai's camp. And initially in the story, she's very apprehensive because she can see very clearly he's a Philistine. He's not, you know, one of her people. He's another kind. He's from another people. And she's very suspicious of him. She doesn't really believe that he believes in the same God she does. And that's something that I love about this book is that there's a lot of dialogue where it's, oh, well, I believe in your God or my God says this. Um, but then by the end of the story, you have more of the our God dialogue. He's our God. He's for all people um, who choose to serve him and you know, follow his ways and that kind of thing. And that was something, just a very small thing that I found very powerful. Um, but of course, you know, Itai delivers Ramona safely to Jerusalem. She finds refuge in his camp. It's a beautiful parallel to the verses in Psalm 121, um, which if I very quickly read part of it, starting from verse one, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. But so, um, you know, in Ramona's moments of fear, she cries out to God to protect her. And she stumbles into the camp of Ittai, the Gittite, and his Philistine people. And although it's not the place she would have expected, it is a place where she finds shelter. And she looks to Ittai and slowly comes to re the realization that he's her protector. He's a protector for her. And, you know, they get back to Jerusalem, of course, on the eve of Absalom's rebellion, as it occurs in the Bible which is a very chaotic time. And, you know, through the course of the story, Ramona keeps finding herself in situations where she needs a protector and she needs protection and she has to cry out to God and pray. But Itai isn't always around because, you know, at a certain point, Ramona gets left alone again and she keeps getting put in these situations. But she learns, and one of my favorite lessons from the story is that our help really does come from the Lord. And when we cry out to him, without giving away spoilers, when we cry out to him, he helps us when we turn to him. And I just loved that lesson and it's so present. And if that's something that you're struggling with or learning right now or going through, I highly recommend recommend this book as well. David, of course, you know, in the story says, yes, stay, because he remembers Itai, he remembers his days in Ziklag, but he's a very changed man, right? We're seeing a much older King David. And that's what I love is that you see these different sides to King David, because in the Bible, he was clearly very multifaceted. On the one hand, you had the man after God's own heart. On the other hand, you have the man who sought after Bathsheba while she was already married to someone else. On the one hand, you have this warrior who brought down Goliath. On the other hand, you have this, you know, songwriter and psalm writer who was very in touch with God and his spirituality. And so you, he's just got all these sides. And as we see in the Bible, his story is very well documented. He's 
very different from when he was very, very young to when he grows to be much, much older and more later in his reign. And there's a lot of development that happens here. And I love how that dichotomy is contrasted in the book, in the book, Defending David, where Barbara and Britton really shows, you know, obviously the prologue side to David and then how he is in the present during Absalom's rebellion, which was sort of very defeated and, you know, weary. We see in the Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 18, even when Absalom dies, it says in verse 33, the king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, oh my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, oh Absalom, my son, my son. Right, so he's at this very sort of low point in his reign. Um, in contrast with this very high, these high points earlier in his reign. But of course, Ittai's memory of David, right, is one that is very much, he looks up to David and he still remembers the David who sought refuge in Ziklag. He still remembers David's early reign, right? And so he provides this very valuable insight for David on, you know, how to keep going and how to face this and how, like, and why you know, David's reign is so important, why it's so important for him to be on the throne, because, you know, Ittai's people and so many other people are looking to King David to lead them because they have turned to worshiping the one true God. And, um, you know, Ittai's, Ittai's journey is to defend David and to defend David's reign. And, you know, that's something that's really beautiful. And so throughout the book, there's these themes of protection. Ittai needs to fight and protect David's reign. Ramona seeks protection from Ittai, but throughout the story, they become separated and suddenly she finds that she has no protection. But she learns throughout the story that her protection is from God and God alone. And that's something that becomes universally clear for all of the characters. And that's what I love about this story. And another thing that I love about the story is not to give too much away on like specific dialogue and things at the end of the book. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, give you actual spoilers for the story. It's a beautiful story. I highly recommend that you read it. Um, the characters are so alive. The story's so alive. The scriptural content is so strong here. The messages are strong. Um, it's very strong. Strong protagonists, strong characters, strong female characters, you know, you know, who, you know, Ramona obviously in the story needs protection, but she's also very much an equal matched Itai in terms that she's also has a lot of intellect and things to offer, but just in different ways, right? Different ways of strategizing. Whereas Itai the Gittite is clearly a warrior, whereas Ramona is more of a thinker. Um, and they comp the two characters complement each other very well and their journeys complement each other very well. But back to what I was saying, the thing that I love specifically about the end of this story, without giving too much away, is that in the story, obviously King David, the character, comes to terms with what he has done in his past and, you know, how he's sinned and how he doesn't necessarily feel worthy to be considered the man after God's own heart in the story or you know, he sort of feels defeated. Like, what is this all for if my son is rebelling against me and doing all of these things? You know, sort of in a place of like questioning, really. Just questioning, just asking why. Why comes up a lot in the story. Why is this happening? Why is the rebellion happening? Why now? Why to me? Why to Itai, to Ramona, to the people who are with Itai and his people, his fighting men and so on and so forth. 
And the thing that I love about this book and just the story of David, but particularly how this book brought it to life for me in a new way, is that no matter where you are in life or how far you've fallen or maybe how different you are from a version of yourself that maybe you would rather be, maybe you're looking back and thinking, I wish I could be as joyful as I was back then, or I wish that I could be as outgoing as I was before this happened to me, or I wish that I had as much hope as I did before, you know, this person or this event disillusioned me. Different kinds of things. No, no matter how far you've fallen or how different your life is to what you thought it would be, that doesn't mean you have to stop. That means you can keep going. And that's what I love about this book. And that's what this book inspires me to do as a, as a reader and as someone who's trying to find applications for King David's story in modern times is to keep going. You know, we, we make mistakes, but God is always with us. We can always turn to God and keep going. And that's the way in which this book inspires me to go. Um, and speaking of go, I want to close out this portion of the podcast. I have a few other announcements to make, so don't click off yet, but I want to close this portion of the podcast with a go passage. And if you don't know what that means, right now, what I'm trying to do with the podcast is end every episode with a go passage. So what's a go passage? A go passage just means a passage in the Bible where the word go appears. And um, it's hopefully an inspiring passage. And for this episode, I wanted to pick a psalm, a passage from the Psalms, because obviously this book is about King David. So it seemed appropriate. And I wanted to read to you guys from Psalms chapter 139, the all knowing ever-present God for the choir director, a Psalm of David. Starting at verse one, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. Psalm 139 verses 1 all the way through verses 14. I did just want to remind you, my online book club that I host, Biblical Fiction Buffs, it's at Biblical Fiction Buffs on Instagram. We have about 500 members right now to join. All you have to do is follow and watch the about and rules highlights on the profile page. But this is the book that we'll be studying and reading together for March, April, and May. If you've never heard of Biblical Fiction Buffs or want to know more about what it's about, it's just a seasonal online quarterly book club that I host. We vote on a book, a Biblical Fiction book specifically and then we try to read that book and then combine our study of that book with bible study relating to the the chapters or events covered in the story 
um, and just sort of try to meet in the middle between our entertainment that we're consuming and also our Bible study that we're consuming. And it's a really great time, but we're actually going to be reading Defending David all throughout March, April, and May and studying Ittai's story and the story of Absalom's rebellion in um, 2 Samuel and also various portions of the Psalms as they relate to the story. So if you want to be involved in that, you should definitely check it out on Instagram. We have giveaways, we have fun discussion posts, and at the end of every season, we do a big live event where we discuss the book, we chat, we play games sometimes. A good time is had by all. Um, So definitely go and check that out. And my one last announcement before I let you guys go is uh, I have released a set of reading journals or book journals if you're into that kind of thing. If you're on Amazon, you can search Jenna Van Maurick or Jenna Van Maurick Reading Journal and they should come up there. They're on my author page on Amazon as well, but I've come up with a pastel set of reading journals. Specifically, this started out as a project for biblical fiction buffs, but they don't have, they don't all have biblical fiction buffs branding on them. Last month I asked you guys if we were to create reading journals or if I was to start selling reading journals what would you guys prefer? Obviously a lot of you guys said notes and reviews, places to you know answer questions about books you read, record what books you read, Um, someone else, a few people actually requested the idea for, you know, specific pages designed for you to be able to write down your favorite quotes, um, in terms of paper kind, whether it's dotted or lined, you guys voted and picked a mix of both. Um, so there is that there. And then in terms of colors, you guys mainly suggested pastel colors with like artsy, whimsical, doodle, drawing sort of things, maybe with inspirational quotes or something on them. Um, and you know, just plain simple pastel colors. And I'm happy to say that I think I achieved all of that. I have a set of five reading journals now. They come in five colors. The first is peach, the second is lemon, the third is mint, um, sort of a very light faded green. And then the uh, fourth is aqua, biblical fiction buffs blue. And the final one is a very, very light lavender purple color. And you can see them all on Amazon, but the peach one, they do have like some doodles on the cover. They have specific places where you can write in and color in your favorite book quotes. There's space to review up to 50 books. Each book gets a two page spread. Part of that review is just questions that you get asked, like, how would you describe this book? What were your likes? What were your dislikes? And then another part of that is just a blank page for you to write your own review or add any extra thoughts. In the back, there's all Also several extra dotted pages in case you want to make your own custom spreads and there's also lined pages for making lists and things like TBR list, a master book list of books you've read, goals lists, and that kind of thing. So they're really fun. You should definitely go and check them out. Each journal is 179 pages total. So 100 pages for just reviewing books. Like I said, you can review up to 50 books in each of these journals and then there's extra pages for scrap paper, uh, writing down your favorite quotes, keeping track of different lists and things. And all of those are available on Amazon in paperback form right now for $7.99. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, be sure you go and check that out. And I think that's all I have for you guys today. 
check out all the things. Find me on Instagram if you want to connect at Jenna Van Maurick or join my book club at Biblical Fiction Buffs. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And I'm always open to your suggestions for topics and books and that kind of thing. Let me know how I did on this first episode of Books That Inspire Me to Go, this first little segment on the podcast. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode right now, trying to keep them all weekly every Tuesday. So I will talk to you then. 